Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. And when you've found Matthew chapter 14, if you could stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read just one verse in Matthew chapter 14. I promise the message will be short. Not because the lions are playing and started two minutes ago, but because I want to give everybody plenty of time to explore the ministries that are back there, to ask the questions, to communicate, to talk, um, to eat. You know, that's always important. Um, So I promise I will be brief, but again, if anybody wants to text me the score of the Lions game as they get updated, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Joking. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read just one verse in Matthew 14. It's a simple verse, doesn't seem to say much, but we're going to break it down a little bit, and we're going to see some um, pretty significant truth from it. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14, and reading all of verse 14, the Bible says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve and to minister Father, not only to this church body, not only to our congregation, Father, but to the community around us. And Lord, I do pray that you'd open our eyes and you'd open our hearts to the needs that, are, that exist. And Father, that we would, you would place a burden upon us to meet those needs. Lord, work in each heart as only you can. Let your Holy Spirit have free reign. We ask this all in your precious name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I, I always wonder... Every year around my birthday, I wonder to myself, what have I really accomplished? What impact can we see from how I've spent my life? What evidence is there that I've made a difference to someone? Well, tonight, I want to look at, very briefly and very simply, how to make an evident impact. How to make an evident impact. Now you would think that this is going to be something deep and complicated. Some some deep philosophical thing on how to make an impact that people can see. But what we actually find from scripture is the way to make an evident impact is actually very, very simple. And the entire process is outlined here in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Now, there are some messages that you hear, and they're going to have deep doctrinal truth. This is not going to have any deep doctrinal truth. In fact, this is going to be a very simple, a very practical message. A very concrete directives on how to make an evident impact. So, let's get started. How do we make, (coughs) excuse me, how do we make an evident impact? First directive that we see in this passage is we need to see a need. We need to see a need. Look back at our passage in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. Now you got to understand here in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is a busy guy. His, His popularity is growing and growing. The crowds that are following him are growing and growing. And anybody know, anybody who's worked with people knows that The more people you have, 
the more things you're responsible for, the more help that people want. And this is, this is very simple. If you're a family of four, you know that you have to deal with far fewer issues than the family of 14. The family of 14 is juggling 14 different personalities in that home. And personalities equal struggles sometimes. So the family of 14 has different and more problems, theoretically, than the family of four. Well, as Jesus' popularity is growing, more and more draws on his time are being desired. More and more people are having wants and having needs and having things that they want Jesus to do. So Jesus is a busy guy. In fact, in this passage earlier, we see Jesus trying to get into a boat so that he can get away from the multitude and get off for some well-needed respite. But in the midst of all of this busyness, I want you to notice what Jesus does. It says, he saw a great multitude. You see what Jesus did? Is he wasn't too occupied to actually see the people around him. It is very easy. Pastor does a very good job really pushing this into the staff, really ingraining this principle into his staff. And that is ministry is people work, not paperwork. You see, it is very easy as a pastoral staff to get wrapped up in all of the organization and the administration that has to happen and you miss the people. It's very easy to do that. Uh, I, I teach teenage small group. It is very easy for me to get so wrapped up in how the class is going to operate and how things are going to be organized and what they're going to be, what they're going to be taught. It's so easy for me to get wrapped in, up in that that I forget to look at the individuals sitting in the seats. You see, Jesus, despite being occupied by all of these people, despite being so busy, he has the, the wherewithal to open his eyes and look at the people around him. You know, this isn't just the truth with Jesus. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we see a very interesting passage. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4 say this, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, when did Nehemiah's burden come? Now, if you continue to read on to the book of Nehemiah, you're going to see Nehemiah accomplish some remarkable things in his time and in his work in, on the walls of Jerusalem. But when did Nehemiah's burden start? It's when he heard of the need. Right. It's when he wasn't so occupied as the cupbearer of the king to understand that there was a need. Jeremiah in writes in Lamentations, and it makes it, this a very clear pass, or very clear truth. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters, daughters of my city. What caused Jeremiah to lament over his city? It was what he saw. Let me encourage you with some. Let me encourage you with this. Look around you. Open your eyes and look around you. I'm going to tell you something. In this, in this auditorium right now, there are people with needs. 
In this, in this congregation, in this church body, there are people with needs. In the community outside of these four walls, there are people with needs. My pastor growing up, and I'm, I'm sure he got this quote from somebody else, but I'll always hear it in his voice. Uh, my pastor passed away about four or five years ago now. Um, but my pastor growing up, you told me this, and it's probably the best per- piece of advice that I ever gotten for ministry. He said, if you preach to hurting people, you'll always have a congregation. There are hurting people everywhere. There are needs everywhere. There are physical needs. There are emotional needs. There are all sorts of needs. And I, am, I apologize for the frankness of this statement, but we have to stop being focused on our own little world where we are the center and open our eyes and look around to the needs of the people around us. So if we're going to make an evident impact, we have to see the needs. Not only do we have to see the needs, though, as we continue in our passage in Matthew 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Not only do we need to see a need, we need to love the needy. We need to love the needy. Here in this passage, it says Jesus is moved with compassion. Uh, The idea of being moved with compassion is being affected in one's bowels. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but have you ever been so overwhelmed by emotion that you felt sick to your stomach? I have. I've been there. Um, That is the idea of being moved in your bowels. And the idea of being moved with compassion, it's I see that need so clearly and I see that person and I care so much about that person and so much about that need that it physically moves me. That's the idea of being moved with compassion. You see, it would have been really easy for Jesus to have looked at that multitude and gone, man, there's a lot of people there. I hope they're okay. And stopped there. But when Jesus saw that multitude, he didn't just see a bunch of needs. He saw needy people who needed his love. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. And I want you to understand, he was moved because he cared about them. It's not necessarily the needs. I want you to understand that. It's not necessarily the needs that he saw. It's the people with the needs. And so, again, this isn't, as as we saw with looking at the need itself, this isn't exclusive to Jesus. Um, There's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, a little girl is taken into captivity, a little Jewish girl is taken into captivity, and she is serving her, uh, the Assyrian general, a man named Naaman. And Naaman, they find, has leprosy. And in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 3, it says this. This is the little girl's response. It says, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You see, that little girl could have seen that she was in captivity, that she was a servant, that she was essentially a slave. 
And she, she could have seen that he had that need and gone, that stinks for him, doesn't it? She could have been bitter in her heart toward the fact that she's not in her homeland, with, probably not with her family. But instead, her statement is, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? She says, I want, I wish so desperately that he could connect with the prophet back home. Because if he could connect with the prophet back home, I know he could be healed. You see, that little girl didn't just see the person. She didn't, or she didn't see, just see the need. She saw the person, and she loved the person enough to want to do something about it. By the way, that little girl's statement results in Naaman eventually uh, being healed from that leprosy when he can humble himself. But the simple idea is that little girl loved someone who had a great need. On the flip side of that, we actually see the opposite in Jesus' ministry. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you look in Luke chapter 10, verses 31 and 32, it says this, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You see, this Samaritan, uh, the good, the, this um, individual... He's laying on the side of the road, beaten up and robbed. And a priest comes by, and he clearly sees him. But that priest did not give two cares about that man. And so he passed by on the other side. This is a priest. This should be a spiritual leader. Levite comes by. He clearly sees the man. Because when he sees the man, he doesn't reach down and help him out. He looks at him and passes by on the other side. Now the question is, which one are we going to be? Are we going to be that little Jewish girl in that Samaritan's house? Or in that Syrian's house, excuse me? Or are we going to be the priest and the Levite who see the need, who sees the needy, and does everything we can to create plausible deniability so that we, cannot, so that we can have our conscience assuaged and not have to help out? Which one are we going to be? So, we see a need. We love the needy. Listen. Care about people. Care about people. And care about people enough to have what's called empathy. Now, we can sit here and we can break down the differences between sympathy and empathy and apathy. We could do that. Apathy is not caring at all. Sympathy is feeling for someone. Empathy is feeling what they're feeling. By the way, biblically, we're commanded to empathize with people. Uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines empathy like this. It's the actions of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another. Paul wrote it this way. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That verse, in my opinion, is probably one of the best definitions of empathy that you will find. Take joy when other people are able to rejoice. And when they're broken and when they're down and when they're in the depths of despair... Weep with them that weep. That is empathy. 
That is, put yourself in the shoes of that individual who is feeling those feelings and who is experiencing those experiences and is going through those trials and feel what they're feeling with them. It comes down to caring enough about people to feel what they are feeling. So what do we need to do to make a lasting impact, to make an evident impact, to make an impact that can be seen? Number one, we need to see a need. Number two, we need to love the needy. And number three, we need to meet the need. We need to meet the need. Again, look back at our passage in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Now, Jesus at this point, remember, is trying to get away. In fact, we're going to see a little bit later he's going to go off by himself for some um, well-needed time with God, for some recharging. Um, Jesus was human, just like we are. He needed to recharge as well. But not only does he see them, not only does he care or empathize with him, with them, look what it says at the end of that verse. And he healed their sick. You see, Jesus saw the need, he cared about those people, and he met their needs. He met their needs. You know, again, this is a timeless truth that we see throughout all of Scripture. 1 Kings chapter 17 tells the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. A widow who has basically nothing left. Elijah comes and says, hey, make me some, get me some water, make me a cake. And she's able to do that and, she, and Elijah comes and stays with her. And in the course of him staying with her, her little boy gets sick. Sick to the point of death. I believe that he did die. Um, and I believe that the scripture indicates that. But... When, he, when Elijah hears from his mother that this little boy has died, and this little boy is all that mom's got left. It says here in, verse, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 21 and 22, And he stretched himself upon the child three times, cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah could have said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of everything that you do, and I'm so sorry that you're going through this, but what can I do? I'm just a human being. What can I do to make an impact? I can't do anything to help you. I'm very sorry you're going through this, and I feel for you, but I, there's nothing I can do, but he doesn't. He goes, I'm going to do everything in my power to help meet this need. Amen. And by the way, notice what happens when Elijah did that. It has an impact. The end of verse 22 says, and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. Elijah's effort at meeting a need made a difference for that mom. I love how James puts it in James chapter 2. He says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? What's the point? Hey, I see you have that need. I'm sorry you have that need. Be warmed and be filled. What'd you do? A whole lot of nothing. What benefit did that have? A whole lot of nothing. 
Listen, and, and this is, this is going to sound way too simplistic, but when you see a need, and when you love the needy, if you can meet that need, meet it. Do something. You say it's not enough. It doesn't matter. If the Lord lays it on your heart to meet that need that that person has, are you telling me that God is not able to take your contribution and make it effective for that person's life? You don't, you don't have to be able to fix the problem. Just do something. I'll never forget when my son was born. Um, oh, I just got the look. My, 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 my boy has no idea what's about to come. He's got a scared look on his face. When my son was born, um, our church in Michigan, they did a week of meals for us, which was a huge blessing, huge blessing. Um, and we had, we had, we had two, we have, I've got two great stories. We had, a, we had a Korean lady in our church. She was the sweetest lady, um, widowed um, in a tragic way. Uh, and she, uh, she comes to our house and she drops off a meal and she gets to the door. She won't even come in. And she is overwhelmingly apologetic. She tells us, this is the worst thing I've ever made. I'm so sorry, but here you go. She made us um, Korean beans and rice and short ribs. Listen, that meal was delicious. You know, Truth be told, it was probably one of the best things I ate that week. It was amazing. In her mind, what she was doing was completely insufficient. It was not good enough. It was not enough. But I'm going to tell you, for us, where we were, that was a monster blessing. You see, when you think your efforts are too little or they won't make, fully meet the need, you know what? You've got no idea what God's got planned. You've got no idea how God's going to use that. Right, that's right. And so if God lays it on your heart to do something, this is deep, so grab it, grasp it, be ready. Do it. Yes. Do it. I had another lady <laughs> dropped off lunch that same week. And she made a, a chicken soup. I like chicken soup. I got no problem with chicken soup. Um, to say that this lady in our church was eccentric um, does not do full justice. And so she tells us, she brings us the soup, and we're like, oh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And uh, she, she says, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's one of my favorite soups. I foraged all of the stuff inside except the chicken. She's like, in fact, I found wild onions on the side of the road and I popped out of the car and picked them and put them in the soup. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. We get it inside. My wife looks at me and goes, I'm sorry, but I cannot eat that. I'm like, honey, I get it. I ate chicken soup with foraged vegetables for a week for lunch. But you know what, it, it, what it comes down to is it does not matter. You see, that woman loved us enough to do something for us. I, I cannot begin to tell you how this process plays out. This pastor mentioned Sandusky County Jail. We're ministering to women in Sandusky County Jail. You know why? 
Because somebody saw a need. They said, the women in that jail need it. And we love them enough to do it. So let's do it. That is the process that that went through. Mr. Barry came to, my, came to the office today, this week, not today, came to the office this week to talk to me. And he, uh, he had called me earlier in the week and we talked for about 10 minutes and he set up a meeting with me. And uh, he has a burden for Cherry Street Rescue Mission down in downtown Toledo. And so he comes to me and we talk about it. And what we're going we're gonna to start working toward, uh, he and I going up to visit and just take a tour of it to see what areas we can, visit, to, we can volunteer and then hopefully get a group regularly going up there to minister to those people. Hey, do you know what happened? you know why that's happening? Because somebody saw a need, loved the people enough to do something about it. Amen. It's not a deep process. It's not a difficult process. It's not a complex process. It is very simple to make an evident impact in lives. You need to open your eyes and look around you. You need to love the people who have needs. And when the Lord lays it on your heart, do something about it. That's the pattern Jesus followed. That's the pattern that we see throughout all of Scripture. And I believe that if we as a congregation, and especially if we as individual Christians, follow that process, we will see an evident impact in the world around us. You don't have to question it at that point. You don't have to wonder, what am I doing with my life? What am I accomplishing with my life? Because if you're seeing needs, if you're loving the people with them, and you're doing what you can to meet those needs, you will see an evident impact.